Hey there, folks. Welcome to Grindhead Podcast, Episode 2. I'm Grindhead Jim, your host. Today, we're talking about Veterans Day and what it means to be a veteran. I am a veteran. Uh, today is Veterans Day, and those things kind of work together. So uh, this is a bit of a different format than from what I would normally be doing. I will be doing a Q&A and AMA during the podcast uh, to kind of make it a bit more interactive. So if you're watching or listening after the fact, uh, obviously you cannot participate, but leave a comment. I will always be happy to participate in the conversation with you. So I served in the United States Marine Corps for five years. And I also came from a military family. My dad was in the United States Air Force as well as the United States Coast Guard for a grand total of just shy of 30 years. He um, did a lot of work, helped a lot of people, didn't always enjoy his job, but he was always working really hard at what he did. Now, I also had the good fortune when I was in the Marines to work in an environment that had every major armed force represented pretty well. Uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps. So... I like to think I've got a good perspective on, you know, what it means to serve, what it means to be a veteran, you know, and everything in between. Because I've, I've saw it from the outside, seen it from the inside, now I see it from the outside again. So the first thing that I want to, like, kind of clear up is that, uh, well, frankly, being a veteran, we're not looking for gratitude. We're not. No matter what you may have heard, what you may have read, no matter what the propaganda may tell you, uh, we're doing it because we love our country. We're doing it because it'll help us in our personal lives as well. Because there, there is, a, a, you know, certainly advantages to having served in, in the military. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of emphasis placed on thanking veterans, and 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 we're never going to say don't thank us. You know, that, that's arrogant to be honest, but. That's not why we do it. We, we serve our country because we believe in it, the ideals of the country. Um, someone who's in the service is not always going to agree with the policies that they are enforcing. They are not always going to agree with their president. And, um, you know, it's important to make that distinction. And I think that, you know, recent generations do that more so than previous ones. You know, a conversation I was having in my... Uh, Discord earlier today kind of kind of stepped on that a little bit where um, 30 years ago after Vietnam especially there was a big divide between the civilian populace and veterans and there wasn't a lot of understanding between the two groups and uh, whether we're talking about post-traumatic stress or we're talking about uh, the ideology behind the war and things along those lines um, you know, it's it, it it's gonna it's gonna make it difficult to be on either side of that conversation and not feel like you're marginalizing somebody. So for a long time, nobody talked about it. You know, while the war was going on, there was this huge thing, and then when all the vets came home, civilians tried to swept it under the rug, and vets kind of tried to stay hidden, and then that's how a lot of your vagrant veteran homeless population kind of started. So, But now, 30 years later, you'll find overall that's a lower number, which is good. It's not perfect. But uh, it's... It's not what it was, that's for sure. So, 
when I went in, I went in uh, June of 2000. It was in what we would consider maritime. So it was relative peace. There was no war at the time. Um, I was going in for purely self-preservation, no reason. Okay. Uh, I had gone through every job that I could find in the local area. I was not doing well financially, and uh, I, I didn't have any other options. You know, being I, I knew I didn't have the discipline to go back to school. I didn't have the funds to go back to school. Uh, and maybe if I understood the uh, the educational system better at the time, I might have gone to school. But I can tell you that that would not have been a very smart move for me. So ultimately, what I decided to do was to go in the military. At first, uh, well, my dad, let me backtrack. I was homeless at the time, and I had run out of places to stay. I'd run out of couches to surf on. I was estranged from my parents. I didn't have any work. And I finally just threw the towel and I called one of my best friends whom I'd, I knew would not let me stay at their place because they, you know, they, they know how this, these things can turn out. And I said, look, man, I'm not looking for a place to stay, except I just need to stay in your place one night. I got to call my folks. I'm joining the military. It's the only option I can think of that I have. And he was adamant, like, look, I'm not going to, I don't need no surprise roommates and shit. And he was totally right about that. So I stayed with him that night, called my folks the next day after shaving my beard. I still have the videotape that he took of me shaving my beard off. Um, and then I ended up going to, you know, I moved back into my folks and they did some laundry and we hung out. And then I said, hey, tomorrow, take me to the recruiting station. And that's what they did. This would have been February, yeah, February, I think, of 2000. And uh, we, walked, we walked right past the Army. I said, Dad, I ain't going to the Army. I'm not going to lose myself in, in you know, this large group of people that I, I don't have a lot of respect for. Um, he said, that's fair enough. Walked into the Air Force. They took one look at my arm and said, uh, you going to get rid of that? I'm like, you're going to kiss my ass? And we both said no, and I walked out. Because <laughs> they were very, very strict about these in that particular service at that time. Uh, then I went into the, uh, I looked at the Marine Corps recruiting office, and I just, at the, at the time, I went, I don't, I don't know. Because the Marines have this mystique to them. And uh, I, I just really didn't think I was the guy. Walked into the Naval office, of all places. And, uh, they were ready to take me more or less as is less a few pounds. I weighed around 220, 227, somewhere in there, maybe 225, I want to say. And uh, they wanted me to get, get me to an even 200 before I left. In other words, and this is, this is the part that always confused me. Like, they didn't, they didn't think that I would get down to weight while in boot camp which I still am confused by, but, um, you know, that was their thing. They wanted to get me down the late entry processes to that. So immediately my mother and I took to figuring out a way to get this moving. Uh, I started walking more, started jogging a little bit, changed my diet, got a part-time job at a grocery store. I took stock, so I'd have to be on my feet all the time. And I was losing some, <laughs> it is very specific. I'm just trying to remember the, the number in my head. But I'm pretty sure I was around 227. 227. What's up? I don't panda. 
And also, Tony, thanks for the host. Um, but I ended up, you know, I lost a few pounds here and there. And um, you know, I also took my time off. It was nice because I knew I had a place to stay. For the first time in a long time, I didn't have to worry about anything. And uh, it felt really good. So when I was off work, especially at night, I was trying to go out and spend time with my friends because I knew I was going to be going away. That was my thought process. I'll be leaving. Who knows when I'll be back, if I'll ever be back, because I knew that the volatile nature of military service, like, you know, shit can happen. So in my head, I'm like, this is my last hurrah. Like, I knew that once I joined the military, I wasn't moving back to Pennsylvania. Like, I knew this in my heart of hearts. Um, no one else quite got that at the time, including my parents. Um, I ended up dating somebody who I would later marry. And as a result of that, all the while, I'm still trying to lose weight and stuff. And I'm following my exercise routine. I'm following all this other stuff. But... It, you know, I just wasn't feeling the Navy thing. <laughs> I took the ASVAB test, which is an aptitude uh, test, and you can get a, a possible 99. I ended up getting a 94, and they said, hey, you can do whatever you want. Pick a job. I'm like, well, what are the options? And again, not knowing better, I listened to the recruiter. Recruiter's like, oh, yeah, you can do, you can do nuclear sub-engineering. And I'm like, Sounded important, but I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? And, you know, later in life, I found out, boy, I dodged a bullet there because that's some shitty-ass work. Um, and it really isn't my aptitude at all. Um, but that was the thing that he was pushing me towards, among other things. And I'm just like, I'm not feeling this, dude. It just didn't feel right to me. And then my dad and I got into a fight because he thought that I was taking the girlfriend more seriously than the military. And I was like, no, I'm not. Um, she was. <laughs> but, uh, and at that point, I was two on nine. I'd lost at least 10 to 15 pounds. Um, you know, around, around two, I was around 210, 211, actually, because I wasn't, I, it was 209 when I weighed in. Um, but, uh, I went in, weighed, or let me, let me backtrack. We had a huge argument. And I'm like, fuck you. And I had her pick me up. I went to the recruiting office. And I walked right into the Marines and I said, will you take me at 209? Now, what's your ASVAB? And, they, and I told them, and I, they take me like, we'll take you right now. Like, you'll, you'll lose it. You'll lose the weight. We have a program in place. We'll get you where you need to be and you'll be fine. And I'm like, cool. And I signed the dotted line. And uh, so I ended up, at that point, it would have been somewhere to the tune of April, I want to say that I was uh, well in swing to get out of there. Uh, and he asked me when I wanted to go in. I said, let's do June 1st. That's right after my birthday. I want to have my birthday at home, and then we'll go. He said, okay. So I ended up, uh, basically, I, I just did a little bit here, a little bit there with him. Nothing too crazy in terms of the PT. He's like, look, you're not that far off of weight. Um, you know, I, I think you just need to jump in with both feet and go from there and um they got me to like meet the minimums for what they needed me to meet and uh so I had my birthday which is a great time and then June 1st I left now my dad although we'd had that fight was kind of like 
shit, that's not the reaction I expected you to have. Like he thought, like again, he and I were estranged at that point, and um, he 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 really thought at that point that it was just same old shit all over again. You know, listless hippie son is not going to do shit. He later confided he was like really proud of me for like having that reaction because he's like, you doubled down in a big fucking way, and I always respected that. Which was like, oh, thanks, Dad. So, so I leave for boot camp, and I get in there, and and I, I'm gonna have a whole series about my actual time in the Marines, but I want to make it clear that I went in, I had to. This was like pretty much life or death for me. Like, it, I wasn't gonna be able to stay with my folks. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna amount to much at that point in my life. So, I went in. I was 23. Average person going in at the time was around 18. And uh, a lot of them were 17. Like, they were, like, young graduates of high school and shit. Or dropouts that took GEDs and shit. And so I'm, you know, six, five to six years older than most people I'm going into boot camp with. Which doesn't seem like a whole lot. Like, 23 is still pretty fucking young. But in terms of what they need you to do, I'm older than everybody there. I'm older than some of my instructors. And I'm also not naturally physically fit. Like, I'm not, there's no natural nothing about that. Like, even at my absolute fittest, I have a wide ass for my frame. Okay. So, which is fine, you know. But I'm at a physical disadvantage by a lot. I go on, but the thing is, I wanted this. I need this. These guys are doing it because they have nothing better to do by a lot of their own admission, or their dads did it, and whatever, and there was like a, a, not necessarily an expectation, but there was a legacy to be had there. Not me. I was going for me because I needed to do better. I really wanted to live up to the role of a Marine. And one thing that I heard over and over again uh, was that I had heart, or I was inspiring, because I was not the average dude, like, but I was really pushing, 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 pushing. And in doing so, I injured myself a shitload. Uh, I have chronic back problems to this day. My left ankle, all the ligaments that are lateral and tendons have all been replaced with what I call bionic, synthetic uh, ligaments. Um, you know, and then there's other things that go along with it. You know, I have mild PS- PTSD and stuff like that. Um, so when you come out of the service, you know, after five years of doing something, um, everything's very different. And I, I was never more, the, the weird part for me, I was never more aware of that than when I got out of boot camp. You get out of boot camp and you've been go, 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 go. Standard Marine Corps boot camp is supposed to last three months. I was there from June 1st to almost the end of October. Because the first six weeks I was there, I was in what they call PCP, uh, physical conditioning platoon or pork chop platoon, which was affectionately referred to. Because I, I had to lose weight, and uh, so I did. I lost a lot of weight, and I, I I learned so much about being a Marine Corps recruit and so much about the basics because you had downtime to learn these little things. I was ahead of the game by I was always ahead of the other recruits in terms of knowledge and attitude. Because I felt like I'd earned, for me at that point, I had earned my way into training. Like, I wasn't just getting to go to training. 
because I met the physical requirements at a minimum, and that was that. To me, I had earned it because of discipline at that point. It felt awesome. And I had a chip on my shoulder because of it. Um, so when these kids wouldn't do what they were supposed to do, I'd freak the fuck out. <laughs> so I get out of, of boot camp after four and a half months, feeling like I own the world, and I'm used to running everywhere. And we were driving home from, uh, from Paris Island in the Carolinas up to Pennsylvania. We'd stop for uh, lunch or something. I'd run to the door. And then there's my, at that point, uh, dad was in his mid-50s, and mom was in her mid-50s, and my uh, then-girlfriend, now ex-wife, uh, my age, they're all just kind of walking, they're like, what are, you, what are you running for, dude? And your brain just works in a different dimension, a different plane uh, than the average person. Just you're, you're, You have different priorities. And even though most of what I did in, in, in the Marines was desk work, intelligence work, that kind of thing, there was still always this um, go, go, go mentality. And it served me well for the first few months out of the Marines, but it was so weird. Like, uh, my fir- I, you know, by this time, <laughs> I'm leaving a lot out, but by the time I get out of the Marines, I've been divorced once, had a kid by that first wife, and then I had just gotten married the second time. And then we moved to Chicago. So I'd gone from Pittsburgh to, you know, with a few duty stations in between, to Georgia, to Chicago. And ended up getting my first job as an admissions officer for a university and started playing music again, which is a very different life than the Marines. I enjoyed it, but it was a weird transition. Um, and I ended up finding myself in the military admissions department, which is designed to, you know, recruit veterans into school because they a lot of them need it more than I did at the time. I had, you know, a good experience leading into that and it got me in. But I took advantage and I got a two degrees, associates and bachelors, and later most of my masters I still haven't finished it. Um but ultimately you know my experience is not what most veterans experience. Because they don't have work experience prior to going into the military. All they have is the military. And if they didn't do an applicable job, coming into the civilian sector, they didn't have shit for for them. Uh, So I got lucky. I was one of the lucky ones. But a guy who's, you know, 0311 infantry guy, like, like, what job are you qualified for other than, like, lugging shit around? You know, so a lot of these guys come out well-regarded at this stage of history, but with no skill set to really get them back into the field. Uh, And they have a hard time adjusting. I will say that the majority of veterans that I have met in time, um, I, I I really have to say that uh, they're not that well-adjusted to society. 
they want society to adjust to them. And they're not all wrong for wanting that, because there are definitely some things about being in the military that overall society at large could benefit from. But that's not going to be realistic, you know? Um, There's a sense of teamwork and trust and honor in the military that you just don't have uh, as a civilian. You don't, most of the time. You know? (laughs) It seemed like a bit of a vulgar... uh, thing to compare it to, but look at a dating site, for example. Dating sites, you'll have pages upon pages of people asking for people that don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, that are trustworthy, and you're like, why should that be something that you need to make a point to say you're looking for? You know? Uh, Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that every veteran you've ever met is a great catch, and you should date them immediately. But I will say that overall... It's, those are things that are instilled in you early that are important. You're going to find a veteran is more self-aware. And so now you've got somebody who's very self-aware of, uh, you know, important moral values. They've done things that are highly regarded, highly valued, but have left them with little to no applicable job skills in the world. They may have post-traumatic stress. They may have difficulty relating to others because their brain is moving so quickly that they can't get it to shut down. Um, People who haven't seen what they've seen, you know, I find traditional small talk extremely... What's the best word I could use to describe this? Just how's the weather... Is such a menial thing to say, you know, especially to somebody who, you know, may have seen a good friend of theirs get hurt. Maybe they themselves got hurt, um, and they they just can't bring themselves to have this really mundane conversation for no good reason other than to hold up pleasantries and understand that this is not something that's meant to say, um, you know. Don't have a conversation with a veteran. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is understand that if they seem disinterested, it's not because they're disinterested in you. It's the subject. So they have somebody who's got all these things going on in their head. And add to that the fact that, you know, most people around them just don't get it. They don't understand. And that's why you're going to find so many veterans are maladjusted, like I said. Like, they're almost bred to be maladjusted. Like, they, they breed you to stay in the military for life. And if you don't, it, you may have, pardon me, a difficult time. I don't know why I'm having a burp. I'm drinking coffee for kind of loud. But um, it's no wonder that we have a large number of programs designed to help veterans adjust to... Um, and just their lives. It, it's it's important that you be able to adjust and you, you be able to, um, you know, do do whatever it is you have to do to to get by. So, um, but a lot of guys they just want a chance. They just want a shot at getting into the workforce, having a family, 
or they're coming back to the family. They want to connect to their family, get their old job back, things like that. And it can be really, um, it's an uphill struggle. And for all the assistance programs that are in place, I would say there's not enough of them or they're not easy to find. Um, I've only ever utilized one veterans assistance program. And that was actually about four years ago. And it was to help me pay some rent when I was down and out. Um, ended up having to move in with some friends anyway, but it helped. It still really helped. Um, question from chat came late, but if I heard right on what you're talking about to comment on, they may misinterpret what you tried to explain. Not really sure what that means. I, I apologize. But, um, you know, so it's great that we have all these services to help people, but a lot of people fall by the wayside. Whether they can't find work or they end up divorced or um, just single and just unable to make ends meet. And, you know, a lot of guys end up on the street or they end up doing bad things, you know, being criminals and stuff like that. Not that often with a criminal thing in my, in my estimation, but homeless, lack of health care, that kind of thing happens a lot more often than it should. And in the U.S., today is Veterans Day, and uh, you see a lot of big corporations, like restaurants and stuff, giving out meals and sandwiches and trinkets and free Pepsis and all this stuff. And I've said this every year for as long as I can remember to as many people that will listen. Why don't you just take the amount of money that you project to lose for all the free stuff you're giving out and give that to some veterans uh, benefits, veterans uh, programs that would help? Not every veterans program is going to be worth giving to because um, a lot of those are kind of... It's like a lot of charities. Like the money doesn't always go get right to the veteran, right? But there are ones out there where it does. And I would, and I don't want a free pizza. I don't want a fucking free sandwich. I don't want a free Pepsi or a trinket or whatever. I got the American Legion up my ass. I can get enough free veteran shit till I die if I want. But I do want to see people helped. And I feel like we still don't do enough to help them because. Oftentimes, we've taken people that wouldn't be that productive in the first place, whether they're not well-educated when they come in, or they didn't have a great family life, or a combination of those things, or what have you. Now we've trained them to have a decent moral base. Uh, they've ha got skills, and um, you know, and we're just not utilizing them properly, and we're wasting good people, in my opinion. Um, I definitely understand where you're calling from here, mutant. Uh, so, question, uh, comment from chat. Big corporations are greedy. They probably get more publicity from images, events, getting free shit. They will have donated the money. Well, you're definitely right about that. But I, I do not feel that all of these companies are giving stuff away. Are um, I, I don't feel it's all because the publicity would be the same, in my opinion. Okay, so if you donate money flat out to a charity, it's tax deductible. It's a tax write-off. You can't write off on taxes that you gave meals to veterans. You can't. Not really. Not, at the, not on a one-to-one -one ratio. Okay? 
if you were just to project those losses, not spend the money on marketing, because they do market this shit. They spend money to market it, and then veterans come in and get free shit. Um, you could spend maybe half as much on marketing and just take the projected loss and donate it, and then deduct that from your taxes, including the marketing. So if you're talking about making money, like they could do that. So I don't think that's a really a valid argument in as much as there's money to be had there. Um, but I understand where you're coming from. I definitely understand where you're coming from. Sure. Um, but at any rate, um, you know, a lot of times on like say Memorial day, this is a big one for me. People will thank veterans for their service. I'm like, I'm not one of the dead ones. <laughs> you know, this is the day you think of a live veteran. You thank the dead ones on Memorial Day. You think the live ones today, and it's it's weird. Um, a lot of guys have survivors' guilt too. Big part of their post traumatic stress is having survivor survivors' guilt, uh, whether they were one of the last ones from their unit or one of their buddies uh, died or was you know otherwise. Um, in a bad way, and uh, they they have guilt. They have trauma from that, and uh, it's a shame. It really, really is. So I kind of feel like, you know, whatever it means for a to be a veteran is is to be a productive citizen that respects what their country stands for, and tries to do good. In you know. For their fellow man, and a lot of times other veterans too. Well, it was part of the thing there, uh, Zenithian. Um, he says it cracked him up. Never thought of Veterans Day Memorial to that way. It happens all the time because um, it's really creepy for someone to come up on Memorial Day like, "Thank you for your service." I'm like, "Am I a ghost now? That I did I miss that shit? Like, did someone just not tell me? Like, fuck, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm dead." No nice to, to not, it's nice not to be dead. It is. Um, <laughs> as a live person, I can confirm. Death would not treat me well. But, um, <laughs> rip. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, people being adjusting, you know, adjusting well to society, society adjusting to them, uh, what society can do. You know, um, and I think we've become jaded too. Uh, I think we make an assumption when we see someone that has a sign out that says that they're a homeless veteran. Like we just assume that they're scamming. They're not always. I used to volunteer a lot at homeless shelters, and you know, I'd like to again. Uh, so I should just get off my ass and do it. But um, you'd be surprised how often they really are veterans, and they're just really hard up on. You know, they just can't make ends meet for whatever reason. And, um, it, it's scary, to say the least. Um, but, you know, you look at today where now veterans don't have a war to fight, but there's plenty of, of danger out there. Um, because of 24-hour news, which arguably spawned from military action, uh, vis-a-vis, uh, the Gulf War, for example, and 9-11 as well. Um, people are just used to getting bombarded with news and then moving on to the next thing. The stuff that's going on for for military members right now, 
does not get that much coverage. There are people in Afghanistan and Iraq right the fuck now that are fighting and dying for, you know, to clean up a mess that we made um, or helped make. And they're not getting the same level of recognition um, that your average, you know, vet would have gotten five to ten years ago, you know? Because it's, you know, 9-11, what started this whole Middle Eastern action that we're, we've, we've been, you know, engulfed in for over 15 years now, it's a distant memory. A lot of employers weren't in the workforce when 9-11 happened. You know, you get a guy that's coming out of, out of the Marine Corps now, coming home from Iraq, working for somebody who wasn't even necessarily... Uh, you know, in high school by the time 9-11 happened. You know, in some cases, depending upon what they want to do, let's say they want to work at a McDonald's, there may have been some of those managing them that hasn't even goddamn, wasn't even born when the shit happened. It's possible. It's unlikely, but it's possible. Um, you know. Welcome to the Stream Queen, Jasmine. 1999. Which has a namesake with a great song from Prince. We can party like that every day. It doesn't need to be a certain year. You know. Now, to be fair, 1999, and maybe I need to have a different podcast about this, but 1999 was not the party that Prince promised me. Okay? I was promised something very different. What I got was six people in a semi-dark room smoking resin out of a shitty pipe watching a 13-inch TV, and we could barely hear fireworks. <laughs> that was 1999 for me, uh, which is pre-Marines. I will say that New Year's, New Year's definitely improved after joining the military. Now, I wouldn't say that you should join the military strictly for the improvement of your New Year's partying. Okay. Um, but it helps. <laughs> you know? Um, that said, um, you know, when you're in the service, too, like you're young... And you're hanging out with people. We're all young. We think we're invincible. And drinking can happen. It does, typically. And because you're so physically fit, if you're doing it right, hangovers don't occur nearly as much. Like, I, I had a few hangovers when I was in the service, but none that, like, none that hit me at the level they would today. If I have a bad hangover today, it'll take me a whole day to recover. You know, I've got to, like, replenish my entire body with fluid and eat a certain way and maybe take a, a nap, you know. But when I was in the service, dude, basically get an extra bottle of water and some Gatorade and bag of beef jerky and, and down that shit, you know, after formation, I'd be fine. I'll be all right. I'll make it through the next war, you know. Hell, we were um, we were on a shift schedule, which was four on, four days on, three days off, three days on, four days off, and that would rotate. And then after I think three months of that, you'd rotate to the next shift. So you'd go first, second, third, first, second, third, and then after a couple of years, I ended up going to because of the nature of my mission, uh, it was twelve hour days, six to six or six to six. So six p.m. to six a.m. or six a.m. to six p.m. kind of thing. And uh, it was it was rough for sure, but we partied. I'll tell you that much. So any every other rotation, 
So when you did the three days on, you had the four days off. The first day of the four you'd have off, we'd have a big kegger and usually be at my place. And we had a good time. That's for damn sure. Um, so, you know, that would be about every two weeks. You'd have a pretty big party. Um, it'd be a lot of fun. But not every military occupation would have that kind of a luxury. There are guys that, that will go into the shit for weeks, months at a time, and not even see a, a soda, let alone a beer. Around all of, um, you know. So it, it, you know, all these different conditions are are vastly different from any other work. You know, like that you can get spoiled on, on a four or three on off schedule because it's you're never working a full work week. You're never working five days in a row. Not really. Um, granted, you could have, you know, duty at, at uh, whether it's uh, watching the barracks or, you know, physical fitness stuff, something like that. You know, and that's going to happen, but it's not going to take up your whole day most of the time, right? So everything's different. Um, so, you know, it just kind of adds to that idea that there's this disparate, you know, nature between civilian life and veteran life. Military life, I should say. Um, no, see, Volts, and this is from chat. Um, he says he doesn't wish to join the military. You know, call me a coward if you want, but all I want is no violence. Life. No, I, there's nothing, like, I didn't join the military um, as a show of manhood or as for a desire for violence. For me, it was a lifestyle choice I needed to make because of opportunity. And um, I'm grateful that uh, many, many, many people do not have to make that choice. Um, you know, so I, I'm not here to say to be for or against military service. Um, I would be much happier to live in a world where military service wasn't required anywhere. I would love to have, you know, mutual understanding across the world. I would love for people to appreciate education and each other and, and, and peaceful practices, you know, universally. The fact is that that just doesn't, doesn't happen. There are bad people in the world and sometimes they got to get checked. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I agree with American foreign policy. That's a whole other ball of wax. The short version being I do not agree. Uh, with this proactive foreign policy that the uh, American government seems to love employing. Uh, and then that kind of brings me to a different thing. You know, when I was in, uh, George W. Bush was our president. I didn't like him. I didn't like his policies, but I was obliged to carry them out in my own way. And a lot of us had to do what we had to do, but we were more concerned about the guy next to us than whether or not the president was happy with what we were doing. So, um, you know, and when I got out, the first musical act that I involved myself in, um, I ended up writing a lot about that dichotomy, like that, that, you know, the idea of being for your fellow service member, but not being for the policy that you were upholding. And very anti-Bush uh, lyrics, by and large, and there was a lot of problems I had with that administration, for sure. Um, did you figure I got out right around just towards the end of his, right at the end of his first term. Uh, and then he was going to his second. So I had like, 
I got to see him from both sides, if you think about it, which was, you know, not the best thing in the world. But, but I was in for, like, like, his presidency started off right, like, basically, I went in, and Clinton was president. Uh, and by the time I got out of boot camp, basically, it was right on the heels, like, while I was in uh, infantry training, actually, um, Bush became president. And then I went into training, came out of training, and I was at my first duty station for two and a half months, and then 9-11 hit, and everything changed, you know? And at least we had a cause or a war to not necessarily hang our hat on, but at least we knew what we were supposed to be doing, and we were unified under that. Um, I don't know that people that are currently in the service have that. At least not from a unified perspective anyway. And that's a shame, you know? It, it, it's a shame that there's not more unity. Uh, not just in the service, but also with the civilians that we protect and so forth. Um, I'm going to be honest. Like, I hear someone who's, oh, I was in the service, and they went in, like, 2005 or later. Uh, not that I'm not impressed. It's just not that notable to me. Because um, they joined. They usually get sent off somewhere to do something relatively nondescript, risk their life for no good reason, in my opinion, and then come back and have all the same hang-ups as someone who went into a war. Like, why the fuck? You know, like, why, why? You know, and it really gets my blood boiling a little bit because you know, these are kids. You know, right now, today, um, you know, my daughter's 14. She'll be 15 in March. And I don't want to go on the service. Was not always how I felt about the subject. I would, I'll support her whatever she wants to do. But I will tell you that, given the climate today, um, no, because the benefits far are under, you know, they're way undercut, uh, for one thing, and she's, there's nothing, there's too much risk for so little reward at this point. Um, and I, I it just... I really feel like we need to, as a country, we probably need to focus more on fixing the problems we have here before we go somewhere else and, and get in anybody else's business. So I, I don't, I, I tend not to recommend military service to people. Uh, you know, people have come to me asking, hey, well, how do I talk to my kid about this and that? And I'm like, you don't want me to talk to them unless you want me to talk them out of it. Because unless they have no viable skills or no ambition whatsoever, I'm not going to recommend it. So I recommend military service for the person who doesn't have, already have skills or has no ambition whatsoever. Like, they just don't know what they want out of life. Um, you know, maybe then go in the service to at least give you something. Um, but to see, you know, good young people that really could get an education, want an education, um, join the military just to do it, I don't recommend it. I really don't, and it, it's something that, you know, it gets me in hot water sometimes. Other vendors are like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm very proud of my service. I'm very proud to have served my country. But uh, where we are today as a society, uh, in foreign policy and everything in between, like, 
not I'm not digging it, and I don't want to I don't want to support those endeavors with young people's blood, sweat, and tears. I don't think that's fair. And not just our young people, but also young people abroad. You know, um, it's it's something that you know I don't want some kid from another country dying on account of someone we sent over because of a disagreement we had with somebody 15 years ago. Like, that's a problem. You know what I mean? Think about that for a second. 15, 16 years ago, someone flew a plane in, into the World Trade Center. The people that are widely regarded as responsible have been caught. And we're still over there fighting people. What? Why? You know, um, and I don't want to hear about this. Well, we're rebuilding Afghanistan. Like, first of all, we should have done it the first time we, we helped them out in the late 80s, first of all. Second of all, it should not be taking this long. It should not take military uh, intervention to do that, unless they really want it, which they don't. Um, Iraq, same thing. We're not helping that much. Uh, so why are we involved? I'm not saying we should just pull out um, and and not help. But I feel like having a strong military presence isn't doing anybody any good. <sighs> but, because, um, you know, you look as a veteran, I look at all the veterans that aren't getting the help that they need. I see young people that are going to the service trying to get help they need and not getting it. And I go, where's all this money going? So if we took, take the overall military budget, which is several billion dollars, cut it in half, and then take that money that's left, take half of it, so now we've got two quarters, two quarters of what we're spending now. One quarter is your military budget, and use that to protect us here at home. And then that other quarter, and funnel it into real programs to help veterans and young people that would normally go into the service um, to earn skills and things like that and educate people. You know, is that going to happen tomorrow? No. But I think it should. So as a veteran, like, my viewpoint now is like, hey, I fought and my friends fought and people continue to fight to protect the country, but it really pisses me off that the country's not it's not doing anything with that opportunity. We're not doing anything to prove that we're what we're supposed to be. We're not helping each other. We're not trying to better society. Not really. Um, and that's the shame of it. Honestly, like, is this what people fought and died for? You know, I, I don't think so. That's not, it's not what I signed up for. You hear that term thrown around a lot. It's not what I signed up for. And this is definitely not what I signed up for. Okay. Not what I signed up for at all. And uh, it, it, it gives one pause. It really does. Really does. So if you guys have questions or something you want to bring up, obviously I want you to, just go ahead and pop it out at me and I appreciate it. Um, 
but that that really to me is is the bulk of it you know um and we 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 bust our ass you know we risk our mental and physical health we have a hard time getting back into society when we come back we lose people all for the sake of doing better as a society to find that you know some 10 years later or more society's not doing so great like what then why we do it <laughs> maybe we should have let everything you know get torn down at that point and i realize it's a very dark thing to think um but there are days when i wonder about that it's like what what what's the deal here you know you know i see a lot of tweets and facebook posts today about happy veterans day and i'm like i appreciate that but Maybe take a small piece of how you feel about that today, spread it throughout the year, help some veterans out there that need the help, and honor the actual sacrifice enough to try and do better. You know, um, I don't, I'm not sure how much simpler I have to make it. Volts, I'd argue that the Great Depression did not get people to fix things, is that they had no choice but to fix things or, or suffer into obscurity. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, Mutant, people have been saying that for 40 years. You know, that's not what it's about. Um, I, I, I do not subscribe to the idea that annihilating current culture, whether intentionally or unintentionally, is going to fix anything. You know, um, I feel like it has a lot more to do with there are reforms we can make to simple things like education worldwide, especially in the States, that can make the difference. We don't educate our young people very well, and our reliance on certain kinds of technology and our willingness to allow people to rely on that technology um, contributes to an overall society of people less willing to be intellectual. And uh, that's, that's the shame of it, you know, for me. So, I, I really think, for me, it always comes back to education. Every single time. Every single time. Hey, Hunter, what's poppin'? Um, we are talking about society at large as it relates to being a veteran, as it relates to being a military member, things like that. Uh, from chat, Orpsol, I want to say thank you for your service. Takes a special person to do what you did. They also agree with the way our troops are being treated, not treated with what they go through when they get home. I really do hope that we can get them the help they need. I've seen it firsthand. Thank you very much. I definitely appreciate that. Um, and I, I feel like, again, it starts, like, I use the veteran platform as the starting point. Um, I, I feel like we have to help them. Now you've got people that, if they're well-adjusted, they're well-trained, then they can help society become overall better. Because we have a lot of people that really need to be lifted up, that have served and have not served. And I, I feel like if we take the best of us and elevate those that it will come. <laughs> My shit spelling proves that education is the most important thing. Um, I, I definitely agree with you on that, that, it, you know, um, I mean, shit, you could take, you, look at autocorrect. There are ways you could program 
autocorrect to predict your typing better, to help you learn how to type better, rather than just doing it for you. I think that's a big thing. Like, text-to-speak could be a thing of the past if we formulated autocorrect in a way that taught you how to speak and type better. The royal you. Okay, so... Um... For again, it's little things. Like again, you can start small. Like I'm not saying everything has to like be changed. You have to start with small things. Um, trap step reforms can be made. Everything starts at home. Yep, but making great change takes time. Absolutely, it does. But you have to start somewhere. Well, so what I'm thinking is, yes, education is needed, but something needs to be said or done for everyone to realize something needs to be changed. I would argue that people have been saying it, maybe not loud enough, or people also have to be willing to listen. Hunter says, I'm not a military guy. I stay out of conflict to help my family. I try to help everything indirectly due to how my mind works. Completely understood. Um, mutant is blaming the keyboard. Uh, Tony says, I rely on autocorrect to type my email address. I do, too. Because there's some stuff that I, I know how to spell. I have no problem typing it, but I don't want to. But there are people that legitimately do not know how to spell or care not to learn how to spell and are enabled by things like autocorrect or the acceptance of so-called text-speak. So it's, for me, like, like I'll give you an example. Look at the layout that you see here on my Twitch channel, right? Um, I like simple, bold text. There's a lot more stylized stuff out there. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I want things to be legible, and I want people to be able to read the shit. <laughs> so it, for me, for what I do, that's important. So um, I am going to wrap up the podcast recording here for you guys. We're going to keep the broadcast live. Um, but again, I think that, you know, what it means to be a veteran is you want to help people. You want to help yourself. And I think that that comes full circle when you leave the service in that you should want to help the people that helped you. It's a reciprocal thing. And society needs to learn that when they're given an opportunity by people serving the military, they need to take advantage of it. My name is Grindhead Jim, and that's what's in Grind's head. We'll see you next time. Cheers.